Hey listeners, today our sponsor is our friends at Empire Flippers. We've been pals with the team behind this brand for years, and we've seen them become the largest curated M&A marketplace in the industry for buying and selling e-commerce businesses. If you're the owner of a profitable e-commerce store and you have ever thought about selling your brand for a massive profit, there's never been a better time than right now. You can check out what your e-commerce store is valued at by going to empireflippers.com slash valuation dash tool. Just answer a few simple questions and they'll give you an automated valuation based on real sales data from businesses just like yours that sold on their platform. On with the show. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC Podcast. Hello, it's all killer, no filler. It's iOS 14.5 and I feel alive. It's Friday. Uh, and this week, the earth shifted under the world of performance marketing. Uh, good thing performance media buyers were made for times like these. Uh, iOS 14.5 privacy prompts have begun to roll out, and our business manager is alight with bright new colors, warnings, footnotes, and eerily calm, consistent numbers. Today, we're diving into the new reality of iOS 14.5, what's happening, what we're doing about it, and where we think it might be going next. We've got a real top chef master's panel with the return of Pilot House co-founders Jeff Shannon and Andrew Stern, along with lead media buyer Nate Van Kinnett and COO of Helmkin and resident tracking titan Brett Turner. To start with, who can explain to me the biggest change that we've sort of experienced in our accounts so far? Who wants to take that one? Uh, I think that's a Nate question. I was going to say, it's one of you guys. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I would say there's, there's three main changes so far. Uh, the, the main one probably being that 28-day click attribution is gone. Um, so we're only looking at seven-day click, one-day view attribution now. Uh, the second being delayed conversions or all conversions are counted on the day of conversion now rather than the day of impression. And the third being that if somebody, is opt, if somebody has iOS 14.5 and opts out of tracking, you can only track one event with aggregated measurement. So I'd say those are probably the three main shift so far. I love it. Let's mark those and we'll go into each of them with some more observations. But let's also just start with setting the scene of iOS 14.5. We, you know, we've been talking about it in our two newsletters this week. Uh, you know, not everyone, not anyone really knows everything that's happening. Uh, let's talk a little bit to start about what's actually happened and and how how like I feel like it's only a small fraction of people who've been who've seen this prompt. I can go just like super high level and then someone can fill in the details, but the what's happened is iOS 14 is out <laughs> officially. Uh, 14. So you, what's that? 14.5. 14.5, right? Yeah. We feel alive. Good, good clarification. Um, so it's out, it's ready to be upgraded on most uh, iPhones uh, or iOS devices. Uh, people are starting to upgrade, but uh, as always, it takes a little bit of time. Um, and with that update, it doesn't definitively mean that all this privacy tracking stuff starts right from that, that exact second. It just means that the OS is ready for it and individual applications can start uh, complying and having the prompts enabled uh, to, to comply with Apple's uh, tracking uh, guidelines. Have you guys been prompted yet? 
Yeah. Well, I was just want to. Oh, you have been prompted, Stern? Yeah, in a few in a few apps, not Facebook, which I'm assuming is right. what our d- discussion today is really going to center <laughs> around. But uh, in multiple other apps, I've seen the prompt, and I've also seen some really crafty ways of kind of pre-prompting the prompt, uh, which is you know convincing people to opt in rather than opt out. Uh, prompt wars. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of cool. Where it sits right now, I mean, Facebook said they're going to roll it out over the next three to four weeks in stages, I think, right? Yeah. 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 And so I wonder, like, it's a small percentage of people that have actually received this prompt so far, you'd think. In Facebook, yes. And yeah. that's that's been the big key for us, too, is it's we, everybody kind of, I mean, it, it kind of came in two waves, right? There was when iOS 14 was first released, everybody thought the world was going to end on that day. Everything was fine. <laughs> um, and then there was 14.5. And, and we're kind of seeing the same thing. Um, and, and what's what's really happening is there, it looks like they're doing a really good job just staggering um, the adoption of whether actually downloading the app or opting into the prompt. Like we have, we have a bunch of, different segments in our audiences and we're finding in the in the senior audiences the 65 plus type of grouping where not only are they going to be a little bit slower in downloading the app at downloading ios 14 and actually updating it but then there's going to be that added on layer of facebook trying to stagger it out where we're only really seeing like a, a two to three percent adoption of ios 14.5 and people opting into the prompt so we, we have certain cases where it's totally almost unaffected and i think that's I mean, obviously you can't speak for them, but I'll, I'll bet you it's very intentional by Facebook. So they're able to roll out these changes and adjust their algorithm accordingly by slowly accounting for and seeing what these small echelons of people do that are opted in, adjust things, roll it out to more people um, and go from there. It's, it's been pretty interesting to see how they actually go about doing it. And it's so far, I mean, I can't speak for all of us, but I think they're doing a good job in not rocking the boat so aggressively where everything is just burning. I, I think we also just, we just don't, because of that, like Brett was saying, like if you look in your Google Analytics, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but you can see, you know, how much of your traffic is actually on 4.5 or 14.5 versus lower, and I just don't think we've seen it yet. I don't, I don't think anything's really happened other than Facebook launching the new tools within Ads Manager and the new settings within Ads Manager. Um, I don't think we've actually seen the full impact of this yet at all. Now, whether that's good or bad is is to be determined, but I just think that's what we said. I think that's smart. It's, it's it's like shock and awe right now. We see there are differences. We're getting primed that there are going to be differences. But as far as I understand it and hearing uh, the company report, there hasn't been a massive discrepancy or loss in performance in our ads. Would you agree with that, Nate? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I would say things are overall looking pretty stable. Um, it's different. Mm-hmm. And in, in a lot of cases, performance even looks better. But you do need to take that with a grain of salt because it is the case that you're also seeing conversions that, you know, came from clicks that you drove in previous days now, whereas before those would have been, you know, backlogged and, and attributed to the day of, of click. And so it's, it's a little bit iffy there, but overall, everything's, everything's been pretty stable. I feel like that's one of the biggest changes that, I, that I'm comprehending is just in this, you know, to, to lay it out previously, uh, the first touch would, would end up getting the attributed purchase when the purchase happens, not that not the day of the purchase event. So if you have any more than a one day latency or an instant latency on a purchase, uh, it would always be backtracked, back calculated to the actual day of that of that first touch. So practically, what does that actually mean for the way that we run our campaigns for the way that we set expectations? Like what, what does that mean? I think it simplifies things. <laughs> I think that's probably the 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 first part. Uh, it simplifies things in a sense that you know 
we as an agency uh, and our, our marketing tactics really still need to put uh, or put a higher weight on top of funnel activity on on that kind of those early stages uh in order to get the signals properly it doesn't mean that the other stuff's not important doesn't mean we're going to stop the other stuff but it means that uh in order to really know what the right moves are, are to be made um we're going to be looking a little more heavily at the at the prospecting at the top of funnel activity. I also think it kind of forces people to look on a more, although 28 days gone and it's only seven, on a more long-term basis than just like one day results because you're seeing purchases come in that you may have you know driven that click in previous days and you're seeing this inflated performance. You might actually let a campaign run that really actually might only have one purchase but it says it has three purchases today and it looks better so you might actually let that run and that honestly could be beneficial for a lot of accounts for a lot of people that you know have trigger finger and pause something because it's it's been kind of slow today but over the course of a week it's actually been solid and it, you're probably better off letting it run um the the one thing to note there is that i i do believe based on what we've seen rules are still firing based off what's actually happening today so if in theory, your campaign actually has one purchase and you have you know, a rule that says positive it has less than two purchases at noon. If it actually has one purchase, but it says it has three because it's got a couple delayed, it'll still pause that, that campaign, hmm. if that makes sense. So it's not taking the, the latent conversions into account? Correct, from what, from what I've seen so far. I, I, I've kind of seen the same thing, Nate. And I, I think that's actually, as far as like what Facebook's actively working on right now, like what's mostly happening on, on the optimization front is, like I said, there's actually not a huge amount of iOS 14.5 prompts rolled out, but that data attribution and modeling side of things, they seem to be messing with very, very aggressively. Like we've seen day-to-day -day shifts um, where we're seeing over-reporting to as much as 2x and then under-reporting where we're seeing half the conversions and that's sometimes fluctuating as much as day to day. What I found really interesting is that the fluctuations and predictions that Facebook are making are actually happening almost exclusively on e-commerce accounts. What I think is happening there, and they've, they've intentionally kind of laid this whole thing out as a black box as far as how they're going to predict these conversions. But I think they're using ratios of your respective ad to carts and page views to kind of project those future values. So they see a certain ratio of ad to carts and they're going to project purchases on that. And I think they're kind of trying to mess with that with that needle right now. This is the conversion modeling you're speaking of. That's that's the thing that showed up in a, uh, you know, in a sub prompt or in a in a sub a footnote on on every one of the numbers in the account that basically says we're now relying on conversion modeling. I think that's what's on everyone's mind is like, what is conversion modeling? Yeah, so I, I go a little bit deeper into that just as with a little bit of a more technical understanding there. So basically, with with AT, the big thing with ATT is the whole goal there is to anonymize the data. So a Facebook media buyer cannot look at a conversion and say, this is John Doe. You can't make that connection. Um, but just to clarify, sorry, that's AEM, right? Like, oh, uh, sorry, AEM, Facebook's version of ATT, which is Apple's. And just clarify for people what that, yeah, that's just well, what we're yeah. calling it. ATT is the Apple tracking, uh, like privacy policy, like the prompt, all that stuff. But AEM is where they're, uh, anonymizing the data that's the actual system behind it 
Yeah, um, which, which I think you're getting into here, which is great. Well, a cool. ATT actually has a system in itself, but from what I understand what happened, Apple has this whole protocol and this system that you have to abide by. Facebook worked with them to build AEM, which complies to ATT. Mm. And it's effectively, right. it, AEM is effectively Facebook's ATT. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there's essentially two goals that they're trying to anonymize the data um, so you can't make a connection directly, directly to the person. Um, and they're trying to minimize how much of that data we see, but still having it lead to value. So the way that they're anonymizing the data is they're having it delayed. So if a user comes in under iOS 14, they fire a purchase conversion. What Facebook is actually going to be doing is delaying that an arbitrary number anywhere between 24 and 48 hours before it actually fires back into the system. Um, now, through doing that, that means you can't look at Facebook, see ad set A has one purchase. I got a purchase around this same time of day. I look at my CRM, that's John Doe. You can't actually say John Doe was targeted that likes pets and make that conversion. Because they stagger that time frame. Um, it basically removes your ability to have direct insight into the data. Now, that being said, because they anonymize the data, you obviously don't have real-time insight into when those conversions are actually firing. So they use data modeling on Facebook's front end by using, again, they're very black box about it, but whether that's add to carts, whether that's clicks, they use essentially a machine learning algorithm to take the previous metrics that would normally lead to a purchase and try to model that so you can make real-time decisions based off data that they think should be there in relative real time. And then you'll see the purchase on when it actually the same purchases fire late because they're firing 24 to 48 hours afterwards. You broke up a little bit at the end there, but uh, anything to add there, Nate? Well, I think I think you explained it all pretty well. And, and to clarify, Brett, this is, what we assume this is only for people who that that super small percentage of people who have have upgraded to fourteen point five and have or have uh, you know defaulted out of, the, out of the prompt. Yeah. From from what I understand, yes, but there's this. I mean, they have this whole philosophy of like they they kind of had two things to deal with in rolling it out as fourteen. Do we separate it out in entirely two separate ads managers, or do we find a happy medium so we can like carry over some of the iOS fourteen features and kind of brew it all and be able to buy it all under the same under the same roof? From what I understand, it is only reflected on the iOS fourteen opt-in prompts, but I can't say that for sure. I do think, and again, I do think why we're seeing these aggressive swings is because they're experimenting with those data modeling algorithms while they have the real purchases that they have insight into. So they can actually make speculation and see the accuracy of those. That, that's what I kind of right. think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Brett. I mean, if you, I think Nate, you were talking about this earlier today, but the, we went through some of our, we, we track all of our conversions through our own in-house tracker, which allows us to get real-time conversion tracking. Um, and, and in April, uh, generally we have a, like a pretty uh, on par uh, ratio of, of what tracks an external tracker versus Facebook. And we saw a major discrepancy for April um, that was basically, uh, Facebook was undercounting conversions for almost the entire month of April. And as soon as 14.5 uh, launched, we kind of swung back up, um, which is interesting. I mean, it's hard to know whether Facebook's just kind of playing mind games with buyers and, and making it making it look bad prior. So when it actually launches, it looks better or, or what, but uh, the data is definitely. They, they've been up. prepping for this. That's for sure. It's. Uh, yeah. I bet the data agrees more with Shopify now. 
Is that is that are we finding that at all that there that the those those systems are more in accordance just because Shopify records the purchase on the day of right every time? Nate, you were talking about that earlier as well. The the ratio. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So the same thing that we were seeing with our internal tracking tool, we were seeing with just Facebook ratio of revenue to Shopify. Basically, for the month of April, it had been down by ten to fifteen percent, depending on the client. Um, and then as soon as, uh, like Jeff said, we flipped over to to the new modeling and, and the new dashboard. Um, and accounted for that drop in 28-day click to seven-day click, it basically bumped everything right back up to the averages that we've seen over the past, you know, year and a half. So, interesting. Which, All right, let, I, I was, let's. I, sorry, go ahead, Brett. I was going to say, which leads to a very important caveat, just to anybody listening. The one of the biggest takeaways with iOS 14, if you haven't done it yet, find an effective way to model your data externally, whether that's passing UTMs and having a really solid naming structure in Shopify working with an external platform, but make sure you have a way to see your data and down to the Facebook campaign ad set and ad level. That's not just Facebook ads because between what we're seeing now, whatever the hell might happen in two weeks, you're not gonna be able to trust that data. It's gonna be close and Facebook's gonna do their best, but just due to the nature of what's happening, you're never gonna have real time insight into how you're Yeah, this is, this is why we, like backdated so much data and, and built out so many spreadsheets in, you know, just getting ready for this because we knew there'd be shifts in the way we'd be able to see things that we wanted to be able to compare to historical, which is super there's, important. There's a lot of agencies that I'm sure do run a lot of brands that run with Facebook as at least maybe not the source of truth, but a strong source of truth in terms of their billing models and, and all these things. I think your I think your caveat is extremely important, Brett, that uh, people do, you know, find a new source of truth at this point. Like this is a big bid away from Facebook being that source of truth for anyone, I think, uh, in an ongoing fashion until their data modeling is just, you know, too good to ignore. Maybe and, who knows? Even it's also. Oh, sorry, Brett. I was going to say, even when the data modeling becomes as good as possible, again, it's it's going to be delayed 24 to 48 hours. So, to be obfuscated. So, so if, if, you're the, if the style of media you're buying you're doing is relatively hands-on, where you're making decisions based off things that are happening today within the hour now, I'm going to kill this campaign because the costs are high today. Just due to the nature of ATT and how it's implemented, you will never know for certain, given the data Facebook has, what's happening today. So having an external dashboard, being able to look at Shopify and like, oh, there is zero purchases on this ad set that I've spent a thousand dollars on, turn that off. Yeah. It's also so important they, to remember that click-through is gonna perform very differently than view-through, right? Like click-through, we can track with an external platform. What we can't track with an external platform is view-through conversions. And that's where, I mean, every, every brand gets view-through conversions. It's a big part of the business. And I think that's where the muckiness is really gonna show up um, because you can't, make decisions on that at all uh, in real time. That will be obfuscated for sure. Yeah, that, that all said, it does look like so far we've been able to trust what our rules are doing. They seem to be performing the same as they did before the flip, um, despite the, the new reporting, which is pretty cool. But that, that could easily change over the next couple of weeks. Elaborate on that for a noob. Uh, you know, the, the rules that you set in terms of, you know, when things are scaling to, to decrease budgets or to raise budgets, those things are still holding true, which is really where the rubber meets the road in some ways. Right. Because like I said, we've had, we've had campaigns that, you know, they're, they're running and they look great to us. When we look at them, they're like, oh, you know, five purchases, four times return on ad spend. It's like, why is that paused by my rule? And it's because some of those purchases that they're, they're counting are from previous days and the rule is still firing on purchases that it purchases that it actually drove today. 
Um, so, so they're still kind of working on that. It's worth mentioning though, Nate, that like we did the work early of translating those rules from the 28 day attribution, Correct. seven yeah. day attribution. So yeah. if you haven't done that, then your rules aren't going to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if, yeah, you did that, if you did that work beforehand and were proactive about it, then it's like the surprise to us, like Nate said, is that they are, they're working, which is great. Yeah. Big That's asterisk awesome. on that one. <laughs> so, do, so do the work. Uh, speaking of action items, let's talk a little bit. We, I was just reviewing a loom call that we did with all of our senior media buyers. First of all, how big is that group is ridiculous big now of, of media buyers that we have at Pilot House. It's really impressive. Uh, and everyone was sort of running specific experiments to try to gain sort of learning items. Andrew, can you can you sort of talk a little bit about the experiments we ran and, and talk a little bit about what we learned? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think probably Nate can speak a little bit more about the actual experiments, but, you know, it was super interesting to go through round, round room and uh, share screens, uh, you know, going through... Facebook ad platform uh, for a number of accounts and seeing all the different, uh, you know, results, which uh, it wasn't, yeah, I think we were able to extrapolate a good amount of patterns, but there were certainly differences when it came to, uh, especially markets, which I was kind of surprised about. Uh, and I, I mean, uh, UK versus US versus international, um, definitely wasn't expecting there to be uh, such differences there. Uh, but yeah, I, I was as impressed as uh, as you were. So, I'll let nice. Nate yeah, Nate, tell us about these experiments that we ran. Yeah, so so we basically had all of our buyers build out whatever experiment they wanted that they thought could you know show some insight into what's happening with with the new iOS um, prior to the to the launch. And so people have done tests where they've broken out three campaigns, split tested them based on device, so iOS, Android. Android and iOS uh, to see how that performs. Some mixed results there, like Andrew said, um, more based on the markets. In general, it does look like iOS has been a little bit slower over the past seven days um, than, than Android has been. But in some cases where it's worldwide, um, iOS has performed better than, than Android. And I think that is a lot to do with the, just the fact that a worldwide Android um, audience is gonna be massive because there's, there's way more people on Androids in the world than, than iOS. Um, other people did tests where they actually broke it out by, um, by OS. So people on 14.5 or 14.4 and lower. Um, again, slightly mixed results based on tracking and whether people are using our internal tracking. Um, but for the most part, it does look like 14.5 has been tracking a little bit worse on the Facebook side. But again, like Brett said, it's delayed. And so we don't really know all of that data yet. Um, I thought that part was was really cool, actually, like showing some examples of 14.5 data where we had some campaigns or ad sets that had three purchases and one add to cart. And that's like an example right. where modeling is not really, you know, picking up, uh, um, you know, those previous events in a funnel. Obviously, if we have three purchases, uh, there's no possible way we could have one add to cart, especially with the move to uh, day of attribution. So, uh, you know, it'll be, I think that as time yeah. goes on, that that should change to Brett's point. Uh, they'll, they'll be tweaking that, the modeling will get better, or that could just be a, a victim of, 
the the time delay, right? And we might see those add to carts show up as modeling modeled data, you know, in in a in a few days here. Yeah, it, it also is strange because somebody could five days ago click an ad, three days ago um, add to cart, and then today purchase, and everything's going to be spread out. And plus the modeling, it just it becomes um, kind of a shit show. Yeah, I think, I think people have to remember we're we're like we're three day two days three days into this three like an actual like it's 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 Friday muddy everywhere. Um, some other tests we've been doing that have been showing some good results is just like um, massive uh, uh, campaign consolidations and just really let like in these troubling times for Facebook let Facebook's algo do the work. So put everything into like one or two main campaigns. And just let it run as open as possible. Um, we've seen some good success there, honestly. Um, some other tests we have in the wild right now that people should be trying is optimizing towards one-day click against optimizing towards seven-day click. Um, we've heard there's been some big performance changes in those two. There's definitely reporting um, uh, differences in those, which I, I don't think I can speak to properly, but uh, there are. Um, I think that's a really a really that could be a very strong one because they are getting fed different data for and, sure. And, and to Jeff's same point, something that um, we're trying to at least entertain in the early stages here and are seeing some success is actually one of, one of the biggest fears like high, high level outside of attribution tracking um, is through way of onboarding um, all the changes to iOS 14, Facebook's going to get less data about who a person is and what they like doing. That's not going to happen instantly, but because we're firing less purchases, we're firing less add to carts, we're feeding less data to the Zuck machine, it's going to slowly learn less and less about these user avatars. Um, so one of the things that there's quite a bit of conversation going on about is there may be a, a big shift back to a more like traditional programmatic style of media buying. Right now, there is a lot of success, especially if you're running a high scale campaign where you're feeding Facebook tons of data, you're spending thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars a day, letting it wide open and letting the pixel just do all the work. But there, there's a lot of argument about going back to segmented audiences, segmented targeting, segmented lookalikes, and making those optimizations and changes yourself um, in a way that you're, oh, I see this exact, this audience with this exact device doing well. I'm going to run that and make a campaign specifically in that way. Media buyer's dream back to, back to granularity and, and it's server like to server. Old school. 2005. It's like the good old days. And we're, we're, we're testing some very early stages of that and, and seeing success with it. And just as a long-term projection, I see that as, as Facebook, it's less and less data. You're going to have to do a lot more of the work yourself on the front end unless they come it's up. It's going to be interesting. The, the, I think the theme, the theme here is like, this is the time for testing, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it's not the time for completely up, you know, overhauling your tactics and your, your strategy, but it is time to have a disciplined budget for testing and seeing what other opportunities there are to exploit in, in a way or, or take advantage of. And if you're not doing that, then you're not being proactive about it. And it's going to, it's going to need some time. So what works today may not work in a week, may not work in a week after, but if you're just kind of sitting on your hands waiting and, you know, uh, letting Facebook's algorithm do all the work that 
isn't a bad thing, but it's a missed opportunity. And so I, I think I, I agree. I think consolidation is great. I think segmentation is great. I think, uh, you know, little micro tests to kind of see audience adoption, to see CPMs, to see all these indicators, like on an ongoing basis, like that's, that's the work that needs to be done in order to put like to position yourself correctly. And let's not, that was really well said, Andrew. I, I think let's not forget that you know, creative is really the biggest lever we have, and that's not going to change. Whether it's old school media buying tactics, new school media buying tactics are all data-based. You still need to have fucking awesome creative. Thumb stopping creative and a great post-click experience. Yeah. And if you, if if you can find those angles that speak to a broader audience, if you, if you're reliant on a super specific audience, it's going to be tougher for you. Right. I think because those targets, as those targets disappear, uh, it becomes harder. So think about how to, uh, appeal your product to a larger audience, really. And content is the key for that, right? Whether it's ad, whether it's pre-sale pages, whether it's you know advertorials or whatever, that that all comes through an investment into into content marketing, which is really what we've been preaching for for a long time now. We we really should have had a representative on here from from Pilot House on the content side because honestly, that is you know next week. Is- <laughs> yeah, for sure. But that that's that's a great lever. It's always been a lever, but I think to Jeff's point, it's going to be even more important going forwards. Well, I, yeah, and I think I mean we have this in DTC Plus. I think where we talk about I think we have a course on gold coin testing, or we're going to have one. But um, that's kind of a it's it's a it's a secret tool. I mean, secret. It's definitely a tool that's that's quite valuable, and I think it's going to become more and more valuable. Um, where you know we we have accounts that we're testing twenty creative a day. And that's just, that's just how you roll. And it, it's, you know, if we're spending 40, 50, 80 grand a day, you're going to burn through creatives quickly. You always need to have those new ones in the hopper. Um, so anyone that can figure out, uh, you know, how to do that efficiently is, is, is going to win big time. Uh, we, we have, we have roles in both companies that literally their job is just to test creative. Um, and it's, 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 it's becoming more important for sure. And pages. And pages. Absolutely. And pages. Love it. Is I think we've covered a lot here. It, I, first of all, is there anything I've missed? And I would just, whenever I have Brett on the podcast, I would, be, I, I have to get him to, to ideate uh, <laughs> just, just on like where conversions API could lead, like where, where, you know, like ideate a little bit for us, Brett, on just like w- what can be done now in this new environment of, of the server to server conversions API. Yeah, great question. Uh, yeah, there's lots. It's a it's a really amazing tool. Um, we've actually been leveraging it at Helmkin for almost two years, even before it was front facing. Just because I'm glad it's becoming public facing now, because there is so much functionality you could do with it in the world of post post conversion events and things along that line. Um, the first thing to clear up about S2S and Convergence API, though, a lot of people think it's a solution to um, everything happening with iOS 14, where it's not. Um, implementing conversions API doesn't all of a sudden let you track as many events as you want or track all of these things. The conversion API events are treated the exact same way as pixel events are with respect to how they're received and how they're prioritized. It's just another way for you to consistently get Facebook that data. So with respect to how you prioritize events, if you fire a conversion API event as a purchase and you fire a pixel as a purchase and you fire a conversion API event as an add to cart, Facebook's going to look at those all in the exact same bucket when they're prioritizing events. And you won't be able to just have 10 events firing um, in way when in on iOS 14. That's the first thing to clear up. Um, but yeah, the, the nice thing about conversion API is you're not restricted to doing something that happens on a web page. And there's two huge advantages for that. 
One, if there's anything that happens with the pixel, whether there's a browser that's blocking it, whether there's um, something with Safari that's not letting it fire through, you have the ability to effect effectively force that happening. So you're able to overstep any redundancy that the browser or other variables might be stopping you from passing that event to Facebook. Um, that's the first thing. And the really cool thing about that that I know most people don't understand is Facebook is able to scrub duplicates and it's built into the system to have conversion API and Facebook pixels run alongside each other. So if you can fire a pixel on your purchase and fire a conversion API purchase at the same time, they won't double up. Facebook will realize that those events happened at the same time and it will treat them as one event and we'll just have it there as redundancy. Um, it's a really good tool to have, especially moving forward into the world of everybody trying to not let themselves get tracked. Um, it's a good way to make sure that you're doing that and not putting yourself at the mercy of the browser or any other variables that the user might be doing to stop that from happening. Um, the other really, really cool thing about Conversion API, again, you could track things that happen after the click. So I'm mostly in the lead generation world. Um, on the lead generation side of things, a lead means nothing as far as value goes. What really matters is if that lead was followed up with and whatever your respective services closes that sale. You can't make that happen um, on Facebook. You can't fire a pixel on a call center person pushing a button on the phone. Um, but what you can do is trigger a conversion API event to happen with the data that you pass through into their CRM. So it's an exciting tool as it is for tracking those downstream events. What's even cooler and something that we're running to a lot on the lead generation side, um, as well as just a high level iOS 14 thing to consider, um, events that happen within Facebook's specific tools do not count as one of your tracked events. So things like Facebook lead forms, Facebook chatbot events, anything that happens within the Facebook browser, eventually again, I'm not immersed in the e-commerce world, but I know there is a Facebook shopping platform within the actual Facebook dashboard itself. Anything happens within those events, Facebook can do whatever they want with that data um, because it's all within their native browser. They're not tracking external events. So in the case that you're, for example, let's say you're collecting a lead form conversion and then afterwards fire a conversion API event for a user answered the phone. And those will both track in the sake of an iOS 14 user because the event on Facebook actually wasn't a outside tracked user event, it, that's that actual pixel conversion API event you track will track alongside the lead form firing. So it's kind of a really easy way to hack around um, getting more user data if you're able to accommodate a user flow like that. Nice, super interesting. Just just to add like a little bit of, you know, the e-com side to, to that, I think the exact same idea uh, as what you're talking about in terms of those later events, uh, that that will be possible or is possible on the e-com side in terms of modeling LTV and passing on, you know, purchases that are much, you know, the next purchase or uh, anything else that really contributes to LTV uh, is now suddenly more possible with uh, conversion API, which is exciting. What I, what I really like about it, and I've, I've just, and again, I haven't put this into practice, but I, I've discussed it with quite a few people that own, um, um, recurring revenue products, whether that's subscription boxes, things like that. So right now, the only way you really track it, somebody signs up, sure, they fire a conversion, maybe they check in for their three months, you fire a conversion on that. But if you're able to leverage conversion API properly, and again, how it integrates to iOS 14, it 
it's a little bit touchy, but you could effectively fire a val update the value for a certain user every time they stay on for another month. So a person who's been in your subscription box box for two years, you would have their purchase value be five thousand dollars and build lookalikes off that respective data. And you're firing that all back using um, the conversion API. You can also do this with offline conversions, um, but by just constantly updating that user and feeding back that oh so important post conversion data. Subscription well, box it, owners take note on that yeah, tip. As right well there. as well as you can you can scale harder and faster than you might have thought you can because you know that that lifetime value is a lot higher than what you knew before. Absolutely. It just gives you that data that gives you the confidence to to spend into it. That's really cool. Can we think of any other applications of the conversion API, uh, like any sp for e-commerce specifically for, for actions that don't take place on a website? I'm trying to think of things ambassador related or SMS. Say again? I'm sure you can figure out a way to do SMS. People who answer SMSs, for instance, or. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, I guess. Uh, but if they opt into something on your SMS list or something, uh, you can track that. So yeah, like that, that's a good example, Jeff. If somebody, if somebody, like if you have a, a hook that's enter your phone number here to subscribe to our 10% off, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, you grab their phone number, you SMS them back. Even if they do a purchase that doesn't happen in their browser, if they go to an external app or something, somewhere where you're not able to fire that pixel, you're going to be able to pass that data back. All you need is the, I mean, without getting too technical, the click ID or their email or their phone number. And you're going to be able to do with a certain level of confidence, tie that back to that click that originally came from, or even that view. Um, the other thing, one I'm sure, sorry, just to interrupt, like, I'm sure that translates enormously to retail, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, bringing the, all of that conversion data, that revenue data, tying it back to customers. And there's some tools for that now using offline conversions where there's, you could, for example, like there's some POS systems that have systems set up that'll upload into offline conversions and try to actually the data. But this, the nice thing about conversion API is it's real time and it happens instantly. And you could see instant reflections of your data showing up in your campaigns. And yeah, and the other, the other thing I forgot to mention that most people don't think is the case with conversion API, most people use the Facebook click ID to match the person through, which is passed in the URL. To get that ID, you do obviously need the person to click the ad, but you can actually attribute view through conversions with conversion API, but you have to use um, user model or user data. Now the conversion API, you can pass a whole bunch of different fields into click ID, person's name, the person's uh, birth date, um, their address, their phone number, all of these things. Most people just pass the click ID because it's easy. It's a hundred percent match rate. It's a very easy way to set it up. But if you are setting up conversion API and you have the option to pass in any additional information about the user you have, make sure that's in there for redundancy because it will give you the possibility of attributing view through conversions. This is gotta be the most gloriously geeky media buying podcast <laughs> ever recorded. Uh, I think there's not a lot of people putting out content like this. And uh, if you're listening to this point, uh, and you're and you're still with us, then uh, we're you know crack a beer too because we're happy to have you among us as we head into this brave new world of uh, of iOS fourteen point five. Is there anything that we haven't mentioned? Any parting words? Any I know I know we're we're going to be putting out content uh, on the newsletter direct to consumer co sort of week in week out as we as we run these tests as we find new learnings. You're going to hear about it on our free newsletter, so make sure you go to subscribe to that. Anyone with any uh, final words for the all killer no filler audience? Uh, I, I would just say. 
and I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but it's now really important to hit the metrics that you need to hit on the day. Whereas before, you know, say, say you have to hit a two row as that's, that's your goal in a month is hitting a two row as um, you might've been comfortable hitting a 1.7, you know, on the day, because you were confident that a 28 day window or a seven day window or whatever it might've been would pick that up, you know, with over the course of that window and bring you over that two mark. But now that's not the case because conversions fire on the day of conversion. Um, what you get today is what your day is going to end up at. So it's really important to hit your metrics or hit your KPIs on the day. Um, and then just, just overall, think about what's happening in Facebook when you're buying. The decisions you're making, you know, scaling campaigns, pausing campaigns, whatever it might be. Think about what data is coming in and what's actually happening likely with that campaign before you make, you know, any knee-jerk reactions. And, and to Nate's point, under like take that data now when you have it and understand it at the most intimate level possible, especially for agency owners and people working directly with clients. Like those view through conversions aren't going to go away. You're still driving that traffic and providing that value, but you're no longer going to be able to show a client here. It isn't Facebook, the conversion that I generated you, you're going to have to be able to contextually understand your data and have that conversation where, Hey, here's how view through projections, let, like here's what the percentage of traffic drive the percentage of view through projections. You have these in Shopify. It's likely that these, that's how these are attributed. You need to be able to understand how your data is modeled and how your data is what, what the traffic you're driving is backing out for the user, because that's, it's not going to be a, here it is pay us for this. It's going to be, here it is. Let me explain to you why this is what it is. It's a ratio of this. It's a percentage of this. Here's how I modeled it from before. And like Nate said, your days are numbered to understand that and get that data use like like they said we you guys have been doing this for a long time backing up the data modeling it understanding it start doing that now because it will be too late very soon um yeah i think also people uh, just like a really important thing to remember is that even, even facebook doesn't know exactly what's going to happen here so don't like the only source of truth that you really have as a business owner or an agency for a business is you have facebook spend and you have Shopify revenue. Those are truth. Everything in between is 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 mud, right? And then it's it might be accurate, it might not. So you can't rely heavily on that in between. You have to rely on those and those core metrics. So focus there. Hundred nice. percent. All, all just, right. Yeah. Anything else to, to, to cap us off with, Stern? Oh, I was just gonna say. I think that we're all feeling pretty positive about it. Like you know, just to. Yeah. Just to you know, mark mark it with a, a Friday note. <laughs> it, like, yeah, we're, we're excited about it still. I don't think it's this big scary thing, and I, I think that uh, you know these are some great great tools to navigate it. But uh, you know, we're we're ready to kind of see the next level and connect in in a few weeks and see what so, see what's happened. And this There'll is this is the mantra be. of performance marketers in a way, right? Like, and that that's why it just like all we've been through this a time and time again, generation after generation, different rollouts. This is a big one. We have to admit. I think this is probably a a mm. big a big uh, earth shaking moment. But there's no one in a better position than people who are listening to this podcast who have understood, you know, what we're talking about right now because they know that we're in that position to to make these changes, do these tests, uh, and be technically savvy enough to, to 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 roll with this and not just set it and forget it because that's where people might run into trouble. And, and also to, to even leverage some of these changes, there's going to be opportunities that come to, to actually leverage what's happening right now. The ad inventory is not diminishing. Those. The exactly. ad inventory is not going away. 
That's like the big, the big thing to me, like every, usually when the sky's falling in the world of Facebook, it's industry specific, it's your account specific, it's agency specific, it's client specific. This is happening to everybody and the playing field is an auction. The auction, the price is determined by demand and we're all fighting against the same beast here. If, yeah. if people can't be as profitable, people will stop buying traffic and the CPMs will lower. It's an auction to your point, Nate. Understand when you're buying ads, what's happening at a fundamental level. You're buying ads from an auction, you're competing with a bunch of people. If a bunch of oh. the data's not there, the traffic's gonna become less valuable, it'll self-adjust. That'll happen over time as the data comes back and the auction stabilizes, but we're all we're all we're all on the same playing field. Like it's it's yeah. we're all everybody's fighting against I mean, if you have a slight edge to either weather the storm in having understanding of that or can take that knowledge and use all these things to kind of get that one up, it's it could be a huge potential for opportunity. If there's one truth, it's that Zuck is gonna get his ad revenue. <laughs> I like it. And if you want to stay on the cutting edge of all of this, you got to subscribe at directtoconsumer.co. You got to slam the 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 five star rating button on this podcast so you get it out to your your friends and peers. And you got to take a look at d2cplus.co, which is our membership community where you're getting access to thought leaders like we have brought on the podcast today. Uh, you're getting your questions answered. You're getting monthly workshops like we just did with our Amazon workshop. Lots of other exciting things happening on d2cplus.co. What a fun crew. Uh, thanks, guys. This was a really, uh, really great podcast. I hope it helps some people out there. And and we're going to be doing these on the reg. We're doing, we got to be doing a once a month iOS 14.5. I'm feeling alive podcast. Just, <laughs> just drink with you guys. It's just fun. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheers. 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 See you guys. Okay.